279, tactical crouch, everything's on fire. But Yiska has found the one piece. He is now sailing east blue. He's on the grand line. He's looking for whatever the hell the you one piecers do look at. I found Overwatch. It. I found it. It isn't real. Well, it isn't real. It's not it's real. Fake. Oh. oh. I'm was sorry, it the friends you made along the way? No, it was all a fucking lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not not One Piece fans just huffing glue and much like our our copium hopium <laughs> person, right? Oh, there's there's an allegoric value here in in the sense of the Overwatch League as well. Maybe we should have never left the port. Possible Sip coffee. Possible. <laughs> Yes, we're here. Uh, the Jacob Wolf report is out. We will be talking about it. So strap in. Um, but we also have some fun player moves. So tune into that as well. Um, other than that, Yiska has also been doing kind of God's work, interviewing GMs. And maybe there's more there. We'll have to see. But before we get into teasing all of this and getting into the dumpster fire or not so dumpster fire that is the Overwatch esports space. Uh, Yiska, what have you been up to? I mean, you know, really trying to make sure that I have eyesight uh, next year. And um, also, like, you know, a bunch of planning in terms of, like, content for the season. Uh, mm -hmm. Hung out a little bit in Custis shed last night uh, because he was watching the panel. So, right. yeah, just having a good time. How about you? Um, not too terribly much. Um, I've been baking a little bit, which has been kind of fun. Made some muffins. That was kind of chill. Um, anything happening in like Custis chat? Did he have like an interesting take on the, like the GM panel was, was, you know. No, it, it was, it was good. I feel like we're having this cathartic moment where everyone is just like saying the shit that they believed and didn't want to necessarily mm. say. And, um, yeah, Jacob was in the chat and Liz was okay. in the chat, so it was fun hanging out, having good, having good, a good. little shed moment of suffering. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's I not think as it's bad, a... we'll get to it. It's not that bad yet. It's not all doom, but yeah, it's it's not good. I think we can agree. It's there, not right? good, but in some sense, it is also like for some of us that have you know known behind the scenes. I sure. feel like it's like some people like this move. Let's say that. You want me to elaborate why? No, no, hold on. We'll we'll get there. Right. We'll get there. But first, right. before we jump into the 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 talk of the town at the moment, we have to thank the patrons and our patron producers and our YouTube members. So for 279 we give a special thanks to Avril Vista Baby, Battlecrab, Refund Bean, Bronze Butt, Boohow, Picasso, Chris, R34444, Kasha67, Lotion, Porchas Hemi. Rexane and our YouTube members, I am DRW, Brother, Adam L, Soggy Fumi, I Sam Jello, Fire Element 6, AK, and Chris R. So help me understand why this is a good move. Why okay. in the world is is you know teams lawyering up a good thing? Okay, so as you can imagine, that there there is this increases leverage that teams or at least teams that are part of this collective bargaining agreement have upon the league it okay. has felt like a little bit that 
and okay, let me let me do this disclaimer here. I am actively trying to say virtually nothing that happens behind the scenes. It's, there's no hints in what I'm saying. And if I'm telling you something that happened behind the scenes, I'll outright like mark it as this has been the talk of the town for a while, right? Okay. I just don't want to, you know, like we do this a lot with player movements where it's kind of fun to poke. Like nobody's really losing their shit. Like nothing nothing is uh, vitally wrong with sure, us when, when we're, or we're approaching or whatever. the legality this is, realm. This is serious and I don't, don't sure. want to be the pirates on the stand uh, at some yeah. trial or whatever, right? You want to be, right? Yeah, Roger, whatever. Speaking of trial, this is also a thing that I feel like is a little bit overblown. This doesn't necessarily mean that a lawsuit is yet commenced. Okay, and that was okay? the, my first question. This is this is specifically in the wording, at least that Jacob has put out, is mm -hmm. that this is a collective bargaining agreement organized through this British law firm that mm -hmm. just allows the organizations to apply pressure to the Overwatch League, right? That doesn't sure. necessarily mean that legal action has to immediately be taken. This is a bunch of, like, in, in some ways, it's a way to build up leverage, and others would say it's bluffing. It, it's not bluffing if you're actually coming down to a lawsuit, because there are several ways what can happen or come from this after, mm -hmm. right? The the p p problem, realistically, is that there have been just a bunch of issues in terms of the monetization. Some of it I, I, we have covered in the in the GM panel, where we still don't have sustainable revenue streams. We haven't heard anything about the uh, a new broadcasting deal. It's highly questionable if we're getting one at all, especially in this market, or if they're co ever coming back. We are having. Sponsorship issues where we have like what TeamSpeak, Top Deck, and Butterfinger. Even though Butterfinger probably is the only one that's really like live on the broadcast, is probably the yeah. only one that's paying some sort of money. Um, mm. We were already in a position where last year, like according to the, I think it was a New York Times report, um, yes. we're getting a one million revenue share per team. That was conditional on on the YouTube broadcasting deal, right? That mm -hmm. falls. Uh, off and you can assume that that is a major source of that in income at least just like if you extrapolate what that YouTube deal was set to be and then you half that and take the little bit of a chunk for Blizzard themselves and mm -hmm. like it works out that the majority of that ref share was probably coming from the broadcasting deal right so also keep in mind we didn't even really have other sponsors. Butterfinger came in pretty late, so uh, presumably, unless there were additional spipes, most of it came from the rev share deal, uh, from from the broadcasting deal. Um, if that is now gone, we have a problem with revenue streams. So, for, uh, Grant uh, of uh, the Justice, I think VP of Esports is his title, said like we need alternative uh, revenue streams. Go sell. Go get us sponsors or provide additional revenue streams. Something like, just to give you an example, something like MTX and skins, right? So sure. that could be, for instance, something that the collective bargaining agreement pushes for, where mm. they can say, okay, and this, once again, speculation, this is not that I know behind the scenes that this is their plan, that what they want to do. Like, it, it, I'm just giving 
the audience examples of what it could be, right? Truthfully, I don't know what they're doing. So mm-hmm. um, something, some revenue streams that this the, the owners can believe in going forward, right? Sure, of course. Like the, the, the revenue has to come from somewhere. It's unlikely to come from broadcasting rights, just like looking through the industry. And that also applies to not just esports, but like streamers at large. Even streamers are not getting these deals anymore, right? Sure. So the landscape has changed in that regard, and we haven't kept up with our technology and our strategies to find revenue from mm-hmm. uh, from the fandom. And of course, like I assume, a lot of things came together. I assume that, uh, or I guess I can say that, like there were uh, there are constantly like uh, ownership meetings. And they're getting, you know, drafts suggested, what the next season will look like, and, like, a bunch of other stuff, a bunch of uh, millions of of factors that probably eventually led to this, right? It is interesting to hear that uh, Overactive Media is apparently, like, the leading organization, Mm -hmm. also also because in the messaging they were pretty high on Blizzard, at least... Right. uh, from Adam Adamu's uh, point of view. That said, it's mm-hmm. not that confusing if you consider that they are one of the uh, pu- publicly traded teams, right? Like, they have some um, some responsibility towards their shareholders, right? Okay. They also have quarterly earnings reports. I am not a business person, but it, like, that's publicly available. You can look at what OAM is valued at. You can subtract the the LAC slot that they had. I think the the uh, Misfit slot was reported to be sold for I think around around forty million um, uh, euros. I think or USD. I'm not sure what it was. I, I don't know. Like I did some nap- napkin math. The slot probably depreciated like both the um the cdl and the overwatch league franchise i think i came down to i uh, don't don't name me I, I, i'm reluctant just do the math yourself but it, it, from what i could tell from their financial mm. s- slot has depreciated from the 20 million already keep in mind toronto defined is a a expansion team and those yes. allegedly have paid higher amounts right you know like other goals that they could be pursuing is exactly getting rid of these um these payments uh going forward even though they were already deferred but you cannot plan if like there's this this weight above your head that Mm -hmm. you still gotta drop a a cool 20 million on on this franchise right like there's just Mm -hmm. no way you can feasibly argue that right so yes. there's something has to be done, especially when you look at the, uh, across the industry and see how, you know, value, uh, Valorant is moving and actually giving people like it's it's a different agreement because it, it, they don't really have ownership of those slots. So it's fundamentally different. And I've always said this, that even like the LEC or LCS franchise slots, the price comparison there, it's not that interesting to me simply because I don't know what you're getting for that. Right, like that was mm. never the reported part, so you can't really judge the both those offers against each other. In hindsight, you now got to say like apparently it's not great business, otherwise you wouldn't see teams <laughs> start to collectively bargain against the league, right? Yes. Um, 
I'm not sure if in uh, a priori, so to speak, like the, the deal was sweeter in some sense, like maybe you had a higher ref share percentage or there's a lot of levers where that deal, like what you're getting from the Overwatch League is better what, than what you're getting from Riot. Once again, I have no idea if that's true. It could be the case and that could have justified the franchise slot price if that was actually the deal. Questionable, right? So, okay. So we're now at a point where, like, Jacob, I think, had a, a figure in there. Some have paid a cool 16 million for everything combined at this point, mm -hmm. right? Um, and we also don't know, like, it says a majority. We don't know which teams are in there, right? Um, so this is, especially from overactive media, like, I have one asset that constantly appreciates... That's the LC, LEC slot. Yes. I think that yep. went from 19 million in 2019 to like 41 or whatever it was reported. And like by the time Misfit sold, that's it, quite a bit. To jump in it minorly, uh, doing some like side, you know, research on, you know, what Team Heretics bought the Misfit slot for. Mm -hmm. I believe Deserto is saying anywhere from 45 to 50 USD. Right. Um, and then Upcomer is also reported 34 to 36. So again, it's, it's definitely appreciated, but yes, you know, yeah, yeah. at what size? Conversion and whatnot. But you get the, yeah, sure. the idea, like the, the percentages there are pretty widely different, but yeah, you, right? It, bottom line is, the LEC slot definitely appreciated. Yes. If you subtract the value of that LEC slot from whatever OAM is worth as a business as a whole, mm -hmm. it it looks like the city L slot and the from my once again, like dude, I may be said in the wrong lecture once uh, in a business course, right? Okay. That's that's the extent of my education in that regard. But it looked to mm -hmm. me that. Um, there was a number significantly lower than the buy-in cost for the CDL and the Overwatch League squad. So, okay, that's like they have a uh, responsibility, I imagine, towards their shareholders. So, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't surprise me. I think that's probably what they should do at this point, especially if mm -hmm. they're not confident in whatever the league has put forward. Right now, there's a million bajillion things that the those guys could ask from the league. Right. Okay. What we can be sure of is if it was easy to get out of this league, people would have done it. Right. That's oh, sure. Yeah. That's almost a given, given how some of those franchises have moved, like Immortals mm -hmm. with Valiant. Right. Like if they, yep. right. Like if they could have, in, in some ways, you know, I, I think, right. Also don't want to speculate. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they've just find that, uh, they they hope to recuperate and probably are turning a profit based on the rep share that they're getting, uh, and paying none of that to the players. Who? To, yeah, paying to, who? or not none of that, but like once again, also like the valiant stuff. Everything is going on this week, Joe. Like, yep, bringing this all uh, into right. You want to talk about netties next? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I I assume that's that's certainly like you know one aspect. It's a piece of, of the puzzle somewhere in the cog one, that is Overwatch Esports. Yes, it's, it's the I imagine the broadcasting rights, the the sure. lack of sponsorships, uh, potentially like what kind of other expected costs there could be through through the whatever we're doing and whatnot, mm -hmm. the likelihood that whatever we're planning is going to succeed. All of that, I'm I I assume plays a role. Now, 
course. Why this is not absolutely doom is because it is a lever. It's not a kill me now. At least as, as Jacob has reported it, right? It could mm. be ter eventually turning into that. That's not the signal I'm taking, right? Okay. It's the, we're getting together, we're sending, sending a strong message that you can't just sit here in lethargic, like, do nothing or do mm -hmm. not do a lot, do enough, let's say, until like the Microsoft merger has emerged or whatever happens. The big thing for our ecosystem has already happened. That is Overwatch 2. It happened and we're not yes. like seeing the growth that we want, right? Um, mm -hmm. At least like, I would say that's what I would be thinking, right? So, um, yeah, I don't... That that's why I personally like I I like that we're now getting a little bit more radical about this and add pressure to the league because I agree with um, strategies like the MTX integrations going forward. Right, that that's an that's something that we've had so long in other esports. Like it, it, you could argue, and it's not MTX integration necessarily with CS:GO that saved it. It was. The, the skins at large and then you yes. they brought the teams in later at a later point via mm -hmm. the skins that dropped in the majors and they had like cool um capsules where you could like get player signatures and they, you could slap them onto your weapons and then like there was stake uh of of every viewer to get the pickems right to hope that the stickers you had the team won because that would appreciate on the market of course that to do that in 2023 is very hard, but we got to push the envelope a little bit is what I hope for, right? So, sure. um, yeah, I think uh, this when this hit, I was 0% surprised, personally. Sure. Um, and I hope it applies adequate pressure um, onto uh, Activision Blizzard. Because presumably that, I mean, yes, like there's this merger, $69 billion. Presumably this is, this is the Overwatch League, but a lot of these uh, franchises that maybe are also in the lawsuit, we don't know. It's at least OAM, if, if Jacob, or I assume Jacob knows absolutely, like I trust Jacob to have gotten everything right here. Like mm -hmm. OAM has two franchises, right? In, in Activision Blizzard League. They also have the CDL. Mm -hmm. So... Um, this is this is CDL is in a different position for sure, mm -hmm. but you're not exactly keeping or making friends by messing up the one project, right? Of course, yeah. So, yeah, I I feel like I, I, what what is important to me was like mm. when this dropped, it's like this is the end, isn't it? Oh my god! Like I I'll start digging and whatnot. I'm not sure if it's that strong yet. Like we're very likely to get a season six just based on, sure. <laughs> like th this is set in stone, pretty much, right? Like people have already spent money. I, I don't expect they, anybody to, yeah, you know, go on strike yeah, yet. Yeah, that type of stuff. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Um, and to to me personally, mm -hmm. and this is my personal exp uh, like my personal opinion. I feel like for as much damage franchising has done. Or could have done. We don't live in that timeline where we could feasibly prove that we could have been this great esports in the third party system. 
I'm not convinced that's true. I'm not sure if sure. Overwatch is that game. Um, but at this point, the franchising and the the lock that you have on these franchises via their contracts or via their franchise agreements actually keeps it alive. Yeah. Right? Like, it actually... We have a salary floor, which is you got to pay for the duration of the season. You got to pay an annualized rate of 50 for whatever it is. And that's the salary floor. You got to have a coach. You don't have to pay housing anymore, whatever. Like, that's the... the and you got to show up, basically. Right? Yep. That's, that's what we're saying. And... Um, if that wasn't here, I'm not sure like what what would happen to to Overwatch esports. And I'm also one, like I feel like a lot of people because the hurt has been on this, mm-hmm. especially like professionals working here for such a long time that it feels pretty torturous, and they just wanted to be over. Don't it? it don't again. Think, I, I wouldn't wish for that, right? Like no. Think think of a world we to to Yiska's point to your point right there because I think I want to you know unpack some of that because I was very information dense but let's start here right if we're to take this thought experiment of what if tomorrow we unfranchised Blizzard just gave third parties you know a stipend to run all the events forever Alienware monthly melee style if the if if Activision Blizzard can't finance you mean license fi- right not stipends right? sure sure whatever yeah. license out I'm even thinking of like having you know in a world where like Blizzard actually pays people to run their esports for them right like maybe stipend isn't the right word yeah. but it, it wouldn't happen exactly right if if the the developer themselves can't find suitors to pay for the esport what makes you think a third party is going to find suitors to pay for the esport yeah. it's just not going to happen alienware doesn't there there is there's no i would i gun to head i i do not see that like an alienware monthly melee happening again and if it did it wouldn't last very long because we're I, like Jacob said, entering an esports winter, right? Nobody wants to spend money right now. Nobody, nobody's yes. looking at this and being like, "Oh boy, I'm really hot for Overwatch 2 right now." Yes, it's better than what it was in Overwatch One, you know, at its tail end, 100%. Nobody's arguing that, but like you kind of hinted at in that that little dossier that you dropped, we haven't seen the growth that we were hoping for, right? We were hoping for Overwatch 2 to, to be the big shot in the arm. Would the sponsors come back? You know, yes, we got Butterfinger at the playoffs. Awesome. Great. Hopefully they continue. There has been radio silence when it comes to anything else moving forward. And then you look at the GM panel and you look at Jacob Wolf's report. It doesn't seem like things have been progressing. At least that's that's my take from a lot of different data points it drives me to the conclusion things aren't necessarily going to plan, right? So no, I don't think, to, to your point, I don't think if we just stop franchising today, we kill the Overwatch League, let's just go back to what it was. There is no going back to what it was. That doesn't exist anymore. Like, that can't happen. This is not the hot, you know, it, in the cultural zeitgeist, you have four-year-olds and 10-year-olds running around the Kellogg cereal aisle going, oh, that's Tracer. I love Lucio's. Like, that doesn't, no, we're, we're past that. Nobody's yeah. wanting to spend money on this game because if they did, the developer would be able to get it, right? I don't see that happening. Um, number one. Uh, number two, I wanted to kind of unpack some of the comments that you made regarding, like, the legality of like suing right because it seems like there's a big difference between 
lawyering up to sue the Overwatch League and collectively bargaining against. So to recap, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, what you're saying is that the the teams, the franchises, the select number of franchises, again, Jacob Wolf used the, the term majority, doesn't mean all, just a majority of them, have put a law firm on retainer to try to leverage more good stuff for the teams. Is that correct? For now. Whether that, and there's, for now. I mean, I mean, that is my reading of this. Um, okay. And then there's like a multitude of things that I could see happening, right? Like from, sure. you know, what, yeah, what, what you basically discussed, like all the, all the mm -hmm. pressure points or levers you could pull in order to get this card out of the mud, really, right? Or like, sure. if not, you know, that's also something that definitely could happen. Like there's, there's some responsibility towards teams to have legal representation in the, in the case that Agreed. this doesn't make sense, right? So. There's totally. a there's a ton of things uh, that this communicates. It's not all doom. Um, it's not a great thing. You don't ne never want no, that. No, it's definitely not a good thing. It's 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 actually like in some sense the ultimate monkey paw curl. It's like we want collective mm -hmm. bargaining, please, or oh, not for the teams. We wanted it for the players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was a couple of the the the, the reactions that I got from you know uh, some some friends that was just like oh but the players won't it's like well you know maybe there's something there that you know can be discussed or explored um, but to kind of continue off of that where it's like okay this doesn't necessarily mean suing um, this just means that the teams are looking to gain some leverage maybe cut some costs maybe to forgive any kind of slot forgive you know, get uh, more stipends. You know, sure. whatever it is, right? Like, I, exactly. Like, I have the strong feeling that the league is just, and probably rightfully convinced that because, and this is something that Grant said, is like, you have mm. all the broadcast assets. You have the production, everything. Like, make a product that people want to invest sponsorship dollars for. And if you can't, then you got to find mm. another revenue model, how we get, t like, fans to subsidize this esport in some sense right like you gotta get, i mean that's like you, almost impossible right like that's the million dollar question is how does how do the fans subsidize your esport i feel I like mean, that's been they the do like 2011 dude like if i if this league could ti like every that's that's more than enough money right like if if they got okay maybe not 2022 ti that was no, historically agree, low but everything before that just kept ramping up and i would say mm -hmm. like from what i recall the last three Yes, like that, that were, those were huge successes, and that could have absolutely bankrolled uh, the Overwatch League, right? Like many times over, actually. I, I, th I think one of them was, what, what, what was the total prize pool? Was it over sixty? I uh, yeah, I think the last one that I remember was like oh, above forty million. Yeah, and that's that's just like the um, what do they call it in Dota? The like. Yeah. They bought the battle pass and it goes to the big prize pool and it adds to the players, but that's not looking at like how much money and like attention and, you know, uh, 40 million. Okay. Interest. I had it wrong in mind. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Regardless, like it, it's such a great thing for valve to do because it makes this like you can, I would imagine you can take like numbers like that and all like the data around, you know, what the TI and God forbid, leave it in the comments below on what I'm trying to say, right? Like their version of the the, the TI battle pass. There's a word for it and it's killing me. Um, 
like what you can use compendium. that data for. Yes, the, the compendium. Um, you can sell that to like sponsors and stuff. And that's probably got to be like a strong driving force of like why that's so successful, right? Um, I guess if we want to get into that, it's like, okay, if we're all basically coming out from under the esports rug and saying, ah, yes, it has been just a big marketing experiment all along, you know, we're all on the same page now. When is Blizzard going to, and I guess Activision as well, you can't really say one without the other. Um, when is that going to meet, you know, the train car, right? Like, when are we going to actually approach this with the the resources and the assets needed to make this a marketing experience? Because since Jeff Kaplan came out and teased Blackwatch, the, you know, the PVE cool, you know, game mode, it feels like two separate entities instead of one big conglomerate under an umbrella, right? Like the Overwatch League feels like a redhead stepchild to the Overwatch experience when I feel like this is a stage that they could utilize to either like reverse promote I'm where you're promoting. Good. I'm sometimes skeptical if that's true. Like I feel like if okay. the Overwatch League was completely inconsequential to development, we probably wouldn't have gotten Overwatch 2 standalone. Um, PvP. <laughs> I agree there, but I struggle to see many, and that's a big example, to be fair. I'm not going to, like, poo-poo, like, the decoupling of PV in PvP. I do think, like, we played a role in that, but that feels more like a hindrance to Team 4 than necessarily, like, a, a utilization of this tiny niche product that, you know, we've built over the course of five, six years, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel like we're utilizing the esports machine or lawnmower that we have to really effectively sell anything or drive people to play Overwatch. I I it, it I struggled with the idea of like this being a strong marketing tool when we don't. It feels so separated. And that's that's for a number of reasons, yeah. but it doesn't feel like Activision Blizzard is doing anything about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I feel like that's it, it, almost it, like from day one, I felt like the community management of that was pretty weak as well. Like it starts sure. with the Reddit, like, you know. Yes, the Reddit's a big one, like, like off the off the jump. Like the, the Riot just takes charge of that and then installs their guys onto these Which Reddits, Which isn't right? a great thing either, but... I mean, you it know, works for them, right? Like It works for them, yeah. So, like, there is no esports content on the R Overwatch. Now, the, like, it's really hard to say what the butterfly effect of that could have been years down the line. I, mm -hmm. I will say some of the content I did back then that ended up on the front page of uh, our Overwatch is still yeah. some of the most engaged uh, I, oh, I've sure. had in, in Overwatch at large, right? Like, mm -hmm. if you could have educated this audience based on that and always had, like, at least some parts of the front page always a little bit about esports, not majority or whatever, then I, I feel like you could have dragged a lot more people over. I also, like, I understand that a lot of fe uh, people here want to uh, have a fandom that's not necessarily from the player base and they want to unlock that. Feels like a, a terribly ill-suited game. Uh, to to do that, um, but may maybe it's it's not even about the game. It's more about the experience. But the experience is also not something you couldn't get anywhere else. And every sports game, like, just think about like if I'm someone from 
um, uh, uh, let's say a local, uh, local, I don't know, some U.S. American city that has an yeah. Overwatch team. I'm still competing with the experience of the uh, of the actual sport, right? Like, if I'm a person that doesn't care and doesn't play either of those games, then I'm choosing the better experience. Now, what is what am I going to choose? There's more dimensions, but two would be like, what's more entertaining for me to watch? And sure. wh what's the co the social situation like? What's the atmosphere? Which people am I with there? Mm -hmm. Are those my friends? And I also feel like we haven't really taken charge of the social structure of how people organize their fr friend groups uh, incredibly well, right? Like the, the fan clubs and that, once again, that can't all be on the league. And then, uh, sorry, on the teams. And then also another thing is like, I still feel like we are not pushing the envelope enough. In my mind, and this is something where I think I disagree more than also the panel, but I didn't want to push it yeah. terribly because I'm out Charged there, and that's as as the moderator. host, I shouldn't, yeah, yeah, I shouldn't post like like try to force some fringe opinion. But if it was to me, I would go way more harder on on virtual spaces and organizing virtual spaces where the vast majority of my audience engages and try to find yeah. cool integrations. Dude, the fact that, once again, this is just like one of the examples. The fact that we have to sit there and go two times check so we all can sit in voice and see the big play at the same time yeah. is fucking like, I feel like I'm back in 2005 in my mom's bed, like apartment. Yeah. Yes. trying to like sync up the win amp so I can talk to my friends about whatever is happening Warcraft 3 right like this no, is crazy I agree. it's it's incredibly archaic um I just don't know if Activision Blizzard is that company that is going to create like a proprietary environment especially if we're talking about actual digital Maybe not spaces in this, yeah but like that's the that's the new thing. Like, right is this so often, right? Like, they corner mm -hmm. the, the co-streaming market. They they see uh, co-streaming yeah. as a thing, then they signal boost it because they see it as a new avenue to push the, the game. I'm sure they're probably already wor working on virtual integrations down the line that we're going to see fruition. Like, all of this, all of what we're experiencing is a direct result of, um, like, bad long-term planning. The fact that oh, we don't yeah. have any yes. revenue streams that aren't broadcasting deals, some some like T sports boomer shit that already like mm -hmm. is is on the way out seemingly, um, mm -hmm. is is nuts. And then basically all the decisions like uh, how how the how the development cycle of this game was generally like how we are not really trying to foster like an environment where the average overwatch player is more competitive you know not not to, uh, putting like these carrots into the ranked experience so i can say like mm -hmm. i want to grind there and want to be like the notice will be like creating you know hierarchies where people think competitively no this is this is the wholesome like esport where the yes. with the funny characters where we're still growing out of that where so somehow like even the evil people are like you know scruffy and whatnot and like yeah. we're it's it's not that's not the you can do that you just can't build an esports on that no, you have to have it, a different um trajectory from that that develops away from that you probably need like it, 
Team 4 cannot be the only thing that is working on, on this team. Like, you would have almost needed a subdivision that is exclusively doing stuff for esports. That's doing all the stats, maybe, the stat integrations, the replay viewer integrations. That isn't a, a, it shouldn't have been, like, such a side thing, right? It should have direct communications with the pro players based on balance. You should have these uh, integrations of MTX, you know, like, they, they should have... Um, in, in the hirings... Uh, rush that they did they should have gotten even more artists yes it's going to slow down your uh development uh cycle because you need to train these people but that that's if you think long term you start hiring these people in 2019 get them on those are your esports guys and they're pumping screens uh, like you know mtx stuff sure right like this even if you think you're going to get broadcasting deals forever and ever and ever, you still do this because that's just like m much more likely to make you money based yes, on everything business. you've seen. Like, yes. that I, I cannot, like, imagine someone from in, internally in the company comes to you and goes like, yeah, we what about MTX uh, integrations? And the guy that has to decide that goes, ah, that doesn't sound very fun. Imagine that person... <laughs> sitting in a room seeing how M nfts explode and they're like no wait what exactly that I, has I, value I, I, I don't understand like it doesn't inherently <laughs> but skins very obviously do you everyone yes. understands it you, your loot boxes should have demonstrated that towards you and like every other esports has demonstrated that towards you you should have seen that in cs i don't know when did they get skins like 2016 or something 15 skins and counter-strike global offensive i thought it yeah. was like early 20 like <coughs> 14 15 no didn't it come out in 13 no that's that might be oh uh, look you you continue your right diatribe. but like i feel like this is not even pushing the envelope this is just like basic um competitive analysis looking where the revenue streams are going everyone's cranking out crazy uh, skins Fortnite is perfecting that like by this Agreed. time that like, we're getting this battle pass it's already like it always feels like an outdated system that probably isn't going to survive the future of gaming either right like mm -hmm. we can't cannot be so late to these parties like someone's got to innovate some shit like when when I when we had the um, virtual stadium that came in sure or, yeah like the was... public the the audience like where we tried cute, something. It was a cute idea. I, I don't know. I, I feel like every 50 episodes on this podcast, I bring this up as like one yes, time where we finally <laughs> had something that pushed the envelope a little bit. Whoever the person is that suggested that, I want more it ideas out of idea. that, yeah. guys. It doesn't matter that it didn't work. Just try shit, right? Like, yeah. you, you gotta... Well, that's, that's difficult. A... Nobody's making any money, so how do you try stuff that th in something that's failing? I do... I understand the plight the of the million you know, they paid for DJ Khaled. They could have probably gotten like <laughs> three developers into a room just for the fun of it and just shoot. I shit. agree. And to be uh, to the CS:GO point, uh, August thirteenth, twenty thirteen, the update added cosmetic weapon finishes or skins to the game. So, yes, twenty thirteen. And then obviously it took off with the marketplace and whatnot. Right. Um, but I, I want to echo the frustrations that you have because this isn't something, especially when you're coming from the realm or or the attack vector of you know social hierarchies and like kind of the ladders that you want to climb. As my niece breaks something in the other room, hmm. um, this isn't something that Blizzard themselves is like foreign to, right? Like 
coming from your neck of the woods in the past you know world of warcraft everybody wants to play pvp to get the rank one you get special rewards you get exclusive rewards it's a social cue to the public to say wow that person whoever they are got a you know a crazy achievement and you can see this demonstrated by you know the mount that they ride or the title that they have or whatever what have you a, a weapon enchant like this That's, is this is something from one of the biggest the, franchises of all time, dude. That is in your company. The thing is, look from an idealistic point of view, I love that. Like I love that you think yes. the game should just be the one thing that you play it for, and it's all good, and we shouldn't play these formal things, <laughs> and we shouldn't try to like compete against the liquid crack that's TikTok that's analyzing your like neural pathways in order to maximize dopamine secretion you're up against that though that's the multipolarity trap everyone has to now compete against that shit or you die that's the like that you're really as the ethical actor and as the head honcho in charge you have to say i'm going to make it 0.5 percent more moral i'm going yeah. to stay in competition with these others, I'm just going to make it slightly better because the alternative is to die and have like impact three people's lives on my squeaky clean morals. And you have like, from an effectiveness point of view, done jack shit. Or mm -hmm. you like be my guest, reinvent the the wheel at, at like in the most idealistic way, but get people bought into like whatever you're doing uh, like maybe maybe you can reinvent the sure. wheel and it's like maybe you have the craziest idea be my guest but like to to be on the competitive analysis especially like a company like Blizzard whose reputation is they take an idea and then they make it better than mm -hmm. their competitors to a degree that has been the idea of Overwatch Case. as well yep. right well where yeah. are we now yes. Where are we taking the ideas of others and are improving upon them? We're at at best are giving uh, getting within ninety percent of their performance in yeah. everything we're putting out, right? Like the the one thing that uh, Overwatch has going for it, I think. Like, and this is where I have to talk outside my personal experience. I think the lore is well loved, and I think yeah. the polish of this game is also otherworldly. Right. That those are our draws. Um Well that and I think that they have like a corner on the market of like the hero FPS, you know, meets MOBA genre where there isn't another game that even like challenges them. And maybe that's a bad thing, right? Maybe it's a bad thing. Maybe there's no as market as, for that, yeah. It, it, that could be as well, but I I, I don't know. I feel that's, like that's the thing. Think know, about every other developer, right? Like mm -hmm. they they jumped onto the BR. Uh, train pretty early and the earlier they yes, jumped on they it did. the more successful they rode that wave like yeah. Overwatch tried to take a um, an approach from a game that was practically already dead that's that's true again i think it correct me if i'm wrong but you're saying that like they're taking like the bones of team fortress 2 and building on top of it this brand new you know fancy you know theme park however i will i have to you know my historian brain needs you to also go back to all the other failed Overwatch copies, the Paladins, the like the Battleborns. Like everybody tried to make an Overwatch. Like there were plenty of Overwatch-esque games that went absolutely nowhere. 
So like, yes, there was there was a gold mine there. There was this 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 rush west when Overwatch was you know debuting and it was as hot as it was. There was a chase after it, but we really haven't gone anywhere since then, right? I agree with you that like we're we're at like a ninety percent you know efficacy when you compare to you know some of these other like chart topper esque games that are kind of running the space and all of our tertiary systems and our secondary, you know, monetization models are all playing behind the eight ball. Sadly, that's how blizzard has always been. At least I can speak with experience on that. And I feel like you can too. And I think you've said as much, we are like a refinement. This is a refinement developer. They take things, they refine it, they polish it up. They have a good idea. They, they have a, an eye for good ideas. But it seems like, especially when it comes to monetization and like really, like we mentioned many a shows back, putting like a really spicy carrot on a stick is difficult to them because they were this, this team, team four seems to still be built on the idea that we're still like the moral police where the moral, you know, you know, high guard that we're not going to, you know, give like the rank five, you know, the top players, any kind of reward. We're not going to incentivize people to kind of chase after anything for what I yeah. think the only speculation for me, at least is we're still kind of playing in the, the old Kaplan era. Like, you know, it's for the love of the game friends. Yeah. I know. yeah. It just, it doesn't, it can't work these days. And if it, if you want it to be that, then let's just be chess. Like let's just no chess let's is just really inherently more no it's inherently more competitive right like no it is but you see what I mean it, like the the interesting thing is is that I feel like if you look at mm -hmm. what Activision and their sure. Call of Duty series is especially is doing they are way better at exactly what I want them to do than mm -hmm. Overwatch is so for instance oh, yeah. we found out proximity chat is very fun. They kept messing with the formula. Dude, like they, those voice chats, like I know it's a, a hotbed of toxicity, but like that's the risk and it's it just so make, enriches the yeah. experience, right? Um, then they take, yeah. the, they see, oh, okay, the, the, they took the Battle Royale. Like we're pretty late to the market with Warzone. They still got a still respectable good. amount of, uh, of yeah. players onto that. And then... Now they're taking the, the Tarkov route and trying to iterate mm -hmm. on that, right? Like, that's yep. the t type of stuff where I want to see, like, can someone do it better, right? Like, th those guys, because absolutely, that loot shooter, like, hardcore experience is technical trash. Tarkov is a, <laughs> an absolute shithosing <laughs> of coding, right? Like, the amount of yeah. bugs in this game is crazy. And that's true mm. for almost every like they, they don't get me started on Daisy and whatnot. And if you can get like an AAA studio on this and solve these issues and have DMZ be crisp, that's that's an opportunity. Where's our mm. Overwatch opportunity? Why is the why is our, our opportunity solution? is capture the flag? But no, our opportunity is to go. Oh yeah, Left for Dead was good. Let's do something that like that with PVE. That's once again a dead genre that didn't go anywhere. Why, why, why are we not taking on ideas of the things that are popping off and going like? And I guess mm -hmm. okay, let's 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 bring it back a little bit to the discussion. Um, yeah. Like Brad had a had a comment. Someone said like Brad for commissioner, and then he basically riffed yeah. off. Um, 
off of that. He just said like we're now in a position where the commissioner has basically uh, no very very little power in improving that yeah. uh, situation. I believe that's true for that particular role. I don't want to absolve the Overwatch League in terms of like the content that they could be doing of responsibility because I do think that there is a bottleneck in terms of the esports content we're creating. And that is limiting the growth of the esports to a heavy degree. I agree the game needs to be made better. That's that's very true. Like, basically, the bol two bolded parts, what, uh, what um, Brad said here is, and I'll read the, the sentence for uh, the audio listeners. The league needs a bailout, bold, and the devs need to make the game better, bolded. Okay? So, bailout, make the game better. Bailout, that's what we already discussed like maybe yeah. they they can get bankrolled for a season until and then the league just has to recoup their own um losses based on their ability to sell or whatever they want to do with a uh, you you made the bed you you had should have figured out re revenue um and then make the game better that's that's another aspect right where like i feel like some of that can come through analyzing the desires of the highest uh, tier players, like what do they want to be, see represented? Because here's one thing that I noticed in this game. Okay. Maybe this is a bit of a tangent, but I'm not sure it is. Okay. We'll decide after you say it. We have an, an unusually low amount of cultural impact from pro players. And the trickle-down effect of everything that the pro play does, it's very slow in comparison to other esports. If we have a meta, it takes longer for that to, to trickle down. The generation or the yeah, the, the rate of generating culture in this game sure. from yeah. the pro player base is very slow. Okay. Why is yeah. that? For one, it is nobody's fucking talking to these pro players about what their core experience is, what they want it to be, how they want to make it more hardcore, how we can... Like, why are we trying to protect people's uh, feelings in terms of rank play and getting rid of the ranked anxiety when you should be cranking up the incentive why you should be playing this? Give The, yeah. the carrot should be harder if you want this to yeah. be a competitive title. You willed into this by having a competitive league that is a significant amount, like there's a half a billion dollars on the line, right? Like this is now implicit in your game design. It should be one of the goals, right? So... Mm -hmm. Ask them what they would be doing. Some of them are wicked smart about it. I understand. They, and we'll get to this. I'm organizing a player panel. I think there's probably... There's a bunch of hurdles that need to be considered here. But... Sure. Um, like, we need to make the game better. I already... I, I'll tell you from my own experience. I'm, I'm already playing less than I did season one. That was expected. The amount of which I'm sure. playing less is maybe a little bit more frightening. I feel like that is true for my friend list as well, that with, with dwindling numbers. And we're not even in one of the seasons where there won't be a new hero. That's next season. What what kind of content is, I hope, like, the, the rate of content is still not where we where we want it to be. Um, yeah. the, the novelty generation is still too low. We gotta find, maybe through balance patches, I don't know what you would, would be doing, but the novelty generation needs to be upped. Then we can, and I'm sorry, like you, you can have your little 
hope fest that some guy that was like ejected into the world in some specific North American location will watch your eSport. I want to more reliably ref like try to appeal to those guys that are playing your game and you increase the number of those pl guys playing your game and you make it more desirable by b b uh, creating a social hierarchy within your game's ecosystem as to why it is cool to be good in this game. And that yeah. then funnels into the pro scene. We just do it like everyone else has done. And then we increase the the ways in which this becomes desirable through a myriad of ideas. Like some of them are even recycling your own uh, ideas of like tournaments and whatnot, right? Like yeah. whatever it is, like there, there's probably a bunch of ideas um, that could be novel, could could feed into that. Uh, I'm sure pro players are also a good source of all of that. If not, and this is something that I would echo. <coughs> this league has an extraordinarily competent bunch of staff that are working behind the scenes as well. Not just inside the Overwatch League, but also in the teams. Is a like that's that's the one thing that keeps me bullish is the intellectual capital that we have in these guys. They are mm -hmm. they are like dude, like some of these resumes read crazy, right? Sure, and some yeah. of the guys that are going away from this league are Im immediately joining elite organizations. I like I look around Google, Apple, like Tesla, whatever. Like it, the hardest companies in the world to get into, those guys get into it, right? Mm -hmm. we we got a lot of talent here there has to do it has to be possible to to make a, yeah. a product here with that type of uh, talent that's that's the reason to be bullish on this league is is the cultural capital or the intellectual capital we have still can i play devil's advocate in that way though sure for a moment because i agree right like after you know talking to some of these people and some some of them you know becoming friends of mine right like i'm very close with nuki historically like you know check my bias whatever um broy also spent quite a bit of time with him very you know intelligent you know these are smart people 100 percent um with with how we've seen activision blizzard especially in the front office of the overwatch league be very like skittish when it comes to like saying anything to anybody at the risk of like anything leaking do you think that that changes that, that's another ever dude that's another thing like they don't understand the content is the mess yes okay that's mm -hmm. that's the mess like the cod understands this everyone understands this that if you like almost you want to make mistakes in order to grow you mm -hmm. you want to almost sabotage yourself in order to make mistakes that are i mean within reason with with repairability yes, obviously but everyone like failing upwards has never been more efficacious than in in <laughs> these recent times it feels like yeah right like through through outrage it reaches the algorithms on your social media feeds and then eventually if the content is right people just forget I'm not like, once again. Don't go to the extremes here, right? Like what no, I'm saying yeah, is like I want shit, but... no, no, no. I, I, what I want is like people to p talk about player salaries. Figure, yes. figure some shit out how how it's possible to get everyone salaries and everyone go like why, why? Like players talk about why the hell am I being paid less than X, Y, and Z? That, yeah, exactly. Like that shouldn't 
like drama. I'm sorry, this is not great. I would love to just talk about goats rotations all day, but <laughs> no, but like you gotta tune that. People want the drama. You gotta have, yeah. you gotta have the illusion of serious drama. That's the the best thing. Or you can have something, some meaningful disagreements. Mm-hmm. and negotiate through that structure. But to constantly have also... That's another ma- major mistake, by the way, which maybe uh, Brad is also hinting at here. He said um, that one of the culprits was the season one to season three all leadership who made macro decisions that are more or less impossible sure. to walk back. Yeah. One of those is, who am I attracting to my league? What kind of people am I attracted to in my league? Who do I want to signal who I want to into my in my league? If the goat gets fined for showing the middle finger to the camera, because that's not Disney focused, yeah, well, you're attracting yeah. a certain type of player, and you're forming young professionals to act in a certain way, and none of that is Agreed. interesting. No, it's not interesting, and it also is antithetical to itself, right? When you when you try to make this tea sports, right? When you want to make it meat sports, but then you also want to Disneyify it, like you're you're taking people, which again I think was brilliant, right? I think it was a great like uh, step forward in esports to take people who would not be interested otherwise in any kind of video game or esports, tie it to a geolocated model, and say, look, this is the Philadelphia team. Omega Lol. This is the Boston team. This is the, the 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 Los Angeles team. Come come one, come all. We're gonna have some fucking fun, right? Like those traditional sports heads that are into like very general games hear that and they're attracted to it. What they immediately get turned off by is again what Brad's kind of hinting at in season one to season three, like the Disneyfication of everything, where like nobody can say anything without getting fined. Yes, there are some things that you should. There are lines that you definitely should not cross. But like there is just a sense of like fun to be had. Yes, sports happens. People talk shit. Let them have their fun, right? Again, very clear lines you should not cross. And if you do, you get punished. But it's antithetical to take sports and then go, but we have to like remove any kind of, you know, flavor from it whatsoever and make it just the most milk toast thing possible right like it doesn't it in concept it doesn't make any sense yeah if we wanted to be disney let's just be disney if we wanted to be t-sports then just be t-sports putting it together ruins the pie it's it's like you know what the biggest lie of competitive sports is joe what's that sportsmanship sportsmanship (laughs) is what needs to happen in order to for us to be able to walk away alive from the pitch everything else that happens on the pitch is dirty as shit and it's fun. Most of the time. It, it, I agree for the most part. Like, if, if you think of any kind of, like, traditional sports lineup, you know some absolutely heinous shit is being said. Um, And that kind of almost makes the undercut of the humanity of it, right? Where, for example, I just, as, you know, Yiska was going on his diatribe, I saw on my Twitter timeline, um recently there was like this big faux pas from the i think the dallas cowboys kicker and one of the wide receivers was like hey don't worry about it dude like you know you fucked up twice but hey you know keep your head in the game and it was like this very kind of like funny but also kind of like heartwarming moment because you know how much pressure's on the line you know how much you know flack they got 
because they missed two kicks. Like it was, it's, it was a big deal. And it was, I think it was trending on Twitter when it happened and it was like this big thing, but to see that there was like a humanity to it from the team, it, it almost accentuates it because you know how cutthroat this can be. Um, whereas in overwatch, um, you know, what would be even better <laughs> if they L danced on him missing the fourth, that just, sure. just better entertainment, dude. Like I don't like it either. I, in yeah. my world, in my like, this is Yiska's world. The best boxer in the world uh, fights the best, the second best boxer in the world. We don't know who is first and second, and they mm. box. And this is this huge media thing. Everyone p pays pay per view. It's the biggest fight of the century. Oh my god! Next year, two other guys, or maybe the same, come back even better. That's Yiska's world. This is the perfect universe. It's not the one we live in. Agreed. What is actually yeah. happening is. Some shit slinging YouTuber against another is now outselling all of those fights. No problem. Right? Like, we gotta find the middle ground. And I'm not saying like fucking WWE this. Don't don't no, misunderstand we, me. Well, well, okay, we could, but I'm, I don't I'm making the point that we're now like this is entertainment. The mm -hmm. I agree that and it's not even that we need to necessarily do too much. We just got to unharness a little bit on, on these guys. Right. Like if you, and it, it felt like, like we were going that direction dude, to be fair. I, I will always say, and you know this too, when we have people on the funnest shit happens before and after the broadcast. Yes. If that was content, we would constantly be money. If everyone could talk, without the system system overhanging them and being scared shitless this would be way more entertaining and that's true for every single panel every single podcast every single one on one yep. interview you do with yep. few exceptions where some guys are just consummate professionals and that's that's also you also need these guys because that's the contrast that you're contrasting mm -hmm. against in order to make it special that someone like you don't want everyone shit talking you want to have a nice spectrum currently you know, like, I don't know, like someone complains very saliently about a format issue and suddenly they're bad boys of the league. Yeah. What? Like, it's it, it's just, it, like, of course, if you don't have a spectrum of, like, drama-creating behavior, and that's the bottom line where someone has a reasonable point to make, and that's your bad boy now, yeah, your shit is boring. Mm -hmm. It's just the case. What, to kind of tack on uh, a good example of this that I saw recently. Um, Real Ones will remember TLO from the StarCraft 2 days. Shout out to Dario. This is um, true, yeah. Which, right, let's go. Yeah, yeah uh, he tweeted out recently, uh, it's funny how most, almost every esports discovers that at Take TV's Home Story Cup format of pros and casters commentating casually from a couch, but equipped with in-depth knowledge and insights is one of the best broadcasts to watch. Glad Valorant got to enjoy that too now. Um, kind of talking about the. This I think is, it was by the, the way, recent... this is this is the same. That that's concept is mm -hmm. the is co-streaming in the virtual space. Yes. Oh wow! It is. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. It's very casual. It's it's not super suit and tie. You have people kind of speaking their minds within reason. Again, I think everybody here wants to be in the space. Everybody wants to be professionals, but. 
you can't just bear down on people because they have an opinion on something because they, you know, had a spicy take regarding, you know, a design philosophy. And now you have team four, you know, like that, that can't happen if we want to be T-Sports. If we want to be Disney, then we're halfway there. Then let's just be Disney. But this is, this is a truth that I've seen since when was take really hot? When was Home Story Cup, Eric, if you're listening? Is that 2012, 2013? Something like that. Is that you're safe right, to say? You're right, you're right, yeah. Yeah, I started about then. Uh, biggest one was the 20th, and, and it's used to both. Yeah, exactly, right? It's a bar. You go upstairs. It's very, like, community-driven. But, again, one of the biggest events of the year, you know, back when StarCraft was, like, the thing that built Twitch, right? You're seeing this constantly kind of resurface where as you get more casual and you you allow, you know, the players to kind of have a voice and you integrate them into the broadcast, funnily enough, people come out of the woodwork. Why that is, there's probably a few different reasons. But even in our neck of the woods, even within esports, why do you think the desk is the way that it is? Why do you think we are doing the content on the broadcast that it is? Because making it not necessarily as general as focused. I think that's like the wrong takeaway here. But there is part of that to this where it's like you want it to be kind of like this cozy, just co-stream environment that is casual looking, but has these nuggets of truths to the game. And you're allowing these pros to kind of speak on things and giving them the space to kind of speak openly again with professional boundaries set in place. And if you cross said boundaries, you should be fine. I'm not saying that that shouldn't be the case. But creating environments for these these kids to kind of speak their, you know, their truth, for lack of a better term, um, seems to be just continually coming up. And I think another, like, I think Take kind of lit the torch, Take TV that is. And I think Beyond the Summit is running away with it. And I feel like if the Overwatch League is going to take a page out of anybody's book when it comes to the broadcast. It needs to be beyond the summit, right? I think they are incredibly creative. I think they do kind of have a, a finger on the pulse, if if you could say that, on what the general esports fan is interested in, right? And it, and it comes through their set dressing. It comes through the content that they create. Everything feels very intentional and it feels very targeted at who is paying attention to this esport and esports at large? Overwatch League is still living in this limbo, this this amalgamation of yes, we want to be suit and tie and take ourselves a little too seriously, but also we're still kind of playing with popsicle sticks with pros face on them. You know what I mean? Like it, it, we live in this weird middle area, and I think to my greater point, we kind of just have to pick a lane and go with it to kind of differentiate ourselves as a product. And I think we probably reap a lot of benefit from that to what TLO is saying. I think there is just a better direction to go. I think there is a right fork, you know, I think there is a right path to take. And I think we're halfway there. It just, we just have to kind of commit. It feels like, you, you know, what, what just occurred to me as like one outside thinking idea that feels adapted to overwatch. Of course, like this is a bunch of death time that would need to be invested. Right. But sure, what if, yeah. What if, like, we don't, we can't expect broadcasting rights? You can still, mm -hmm. you should probably just broadcast to whatever platform you have. But what if you really focused on the in-game viewing experience, 
and you would bring the replay viewer back and you would create parties, okay? Imagine you can create a watch party and then you would just follow the observers of that the Overwatch League broadcast does as well. But let's say either for free or for like a like a fee, you could switch between the um the different players. And then if okay. you're in that party of 20, you could say some people will watch the Lucio. And then, because Overwatch is so confusing and su sun, like pog things happen outside the broadcast, the one guy that is on the Lucio will then say, oh my god, like Funny Astro just, just did what something. Did, did you guys? Oh yeah, okay, the broadcast wasn't on it. Dude, let me tag this. And then once yeah. we're out of the team fight, I can pull everyone here to that moment and we relive it, it together in that break between team fights I mean, or whatever. we kind of we kind of had that with the replay viewer. I mean, like we, even we going back to like though. we we didn't have the like you. How you would you? I guess you could have clipped it on Twitch and showed yes. it to people or something like that. Like yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that all, all of this is feasible, but this would be a what I like about that idea is it's uniquely mm. Overwatch. It's trying to fix a problem and crowdsourcing sure. the solution. The problem is Overwatch. A lot of cool stuff happens outside the observer cam. Mm -hmm. How do you Observing solve is a that? Problem. How do we solve it? We, we have another problem. We ha don't have synchronized viewing ship experience where we could all have share that moment. So, well, how would we solve that? We crowdsource the solutions. Now, don't just think about like how you and your group of twenty friends who are adapt could solve that issue. Also, think how broadcasters and co-streamers could do that. Imagine five pros being in a lobby. Everyone is on a different player and goes like, oh my god, here. And you even give them graphical tools within the game. And then they tell you a different story. And you even adapt the game a little bit. Maybe a little bit longer respawn time. So times between fights would be different. Or something like this. And work mm -hmm. with the product into that uh, dimension, right? And and yeah. see where that takes you. That, like, the, the in-client let the viewers tell their own story type of thing. I feel like that's the that, that's one dimension of thinking in, into the future of entertainment where that's definitely okay. going to be, yeah. you know, the AR type of uh, stuff, like tell your own story, be your own uh, actor mm -hmm. in, in the main storyline type of thing. That's something that feels like it would be forward-facing to, uh, towards yes. a solution that, like, I'm not saying it works. I'm saying, like, that's the type of idea it, it, that we could could have had because we had the replay viewer, we had the command center, you marry those, you have a cool product, where's, where's the command center and where's the replay viewer? Apparently it wasn't uh, good enough. Yeah. I mean, like, that's big picture, and I agree. Like, we need to be forward-facing. I think it's incredibly difficult for the Blizzard side of Activision Blizzard to, for whatever reason, be forward-facing. Again, they've always been for... Again, I was raised on Blizzard games. They've always been... Okay, that's that is the case, right? Like even even going back to like the inception of like the Blizzard like golden era when they were like polishing the RTS genre, they were polishing the MMO genre, they were polishing the the AR ARPG yeah ARPG genre with Diablo and StarCraft and, and World of Warcraft, right? They take good ideas, they they polish them up and they ship them out. They're very very good. They've never been very good at like looking ahead to like where technology and where video games and where, you know, media is going next. I think that's difficult for them. However, a very easy way to make, you know, at least remedy things in the short term. 
make co-streaming a little bit more incentivizable. Yeah. Just going to throw that out there. You know, we had our, we had a co-stream. It was fun. I, I enjoyed doing it. I think there's a very clear reason why it doesn't make much sense for us to do co-streams because we can't really even own anything we do. Yeah. There's you, you, the, the, the restrictions when it comes to co-streaming yeah. makes it not really worth it in some regard, especially when you have, you know, I think within our discord community and our community at large, we do have a culture of like listening and watching the games together with everybody kind of just, you know, big chaotic mess so it doesn't make sense for us to want to do that when we have a community built elsewhere to go you know party and hang out with them and and talk shit right it makes sense for some people and that's great but when you look at the competitors when you look at the riot games as much as yes you know hurdy dur riot this riot that their take on things is much different than ours right like it's a whole program from my understanding they actually are are given assets to also promote their own co-streams so everybody's you know feasting from the same pie everybody's it's a win-win for everybody right like you get to draw people to your community then draw people to the product in some way yes i understand the 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 in crowds um worry of monetization when it comes to like the co-streaming uh horizon line where what happens when co-streams just become the preferred product and the, the main product becomes kind of secondary. How do you sell pro you know, how do you sell sponsors? Well, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. I understand that concern. I don't really have an answer for that. I don't think anybody really does. Um, but it's very clear that that is kind of the way forward. So again, how do we kind of marry the two IDs together? We look at something that, you know, funnily enough, we've worked with before we had takeover um, way back when I believe contenders had sold some of the broadcasting rights to take. I think that's, you know, out there in the ether. We they've worked with take before. It's not necessarily out of the wheelhouse. I think there are, there are good ideas out there with beyond the summit to kind of, I'm not saying go higher beyond the summit to run the overwatch league, but what I'm saying is like, there is something to be learned from the, the 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 less polished sometimes is probably better right sometimes like you said you want those faux pas you want like the 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 drama almost but it doesn't even have to necessarily be drama you just need people to be kind of open and to have yeah you know hot takes go back to last year what was everybody's favorite part of the the desk literally all last year the one thing that i can say without a doubt was my favorite part of the desk in I think all of Overwatch League history was Custa's diatribe when it came to the Washington Justice. Right or wrong, that was an impassioned sure. like little monologue he had. That was an incredible, and lo and behold, it's at the top of Reddit. Everybody's talking about it. We need more of that. Yes, we also need some brave people to step up and have opinions. Agreed. Sometimes they come by accident. Sometimes they're very meticulously kind of thought out, and they have them. That's, I think, the the short term you know, step forward for at least the broadcast itself. When it comes to like team four and Activision Blizzard, if you, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, that feels hopeless, but something that we can control today, tomorrow is what the broadcast, what the product looks like at the very least. And I think that's, you know, the lesson here is that if we take off our suits and our ties, you get a little bit more brave. You have a little bit more of a, of an impact 
you allow the players who I think have only grown in, in personality and you give them a platform to speak on that personality. I think we all kind of benefit from it. Um, so that's at least the, the product side of things when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the, the Overwatch League franchises, you know, retaining a lawyer to you know, go after some collective bargaining. Um, I did kind of want to kind of circle back to the main topic and poke you with another idea that, again, we kind of talked about privately, but with this kind of being what feels like a metaphorical straw that's breaking or at least, you know, cracking the dam, if you will. Um, does this mean that we don't have a sponsorship or not sponsorship, but a uh, media rights deal, right? There's no exclusive, you know, so is far, this I kind mean, of CDL doesn't that? seem to have one. Uh, it looks right. like we don't. Yeah. I, that's again, kind of what I took from it as well. Um, I don't think you hire lawyers on retainer if things are going well and you know maybe twitch is ponying up or maybe youtube wants to re-up a deal or god forbid we go yeah, to facebook unlikely, right yeah. like it that can't that doesn't seem like that's the case and if it isn't then i'll happy to it grow. would be a pittance in in comparison to sure to but it also doesn't make sense when you know circling back to something you said earlier when you're talking about even like just twitch streamers at large you, you know we're hearing a lot of the inf these influencers talk about like how their deals aren't necessarily what they used to be so again, it's a it's a wider issue that isn't just like oh boohoo Overwatch sucks. It's like well no like just the landscape's changing. Like it doesn't make much sense yeah. for you know the economy at the moment to own the exclusive rights to a let's face it a mid esports product. Just isn't right, especially like even at the highest level. Like one of the most popular games in the world, League of Legends, doesn't, for my knowledge, have an exclusive media rights deal with anybody. Or at least broadcasting rights. Nope. Media is probably yeah. the wrong term. They don't have any kind of exclusivity yeah. when it comes to broadcasting. Because they don't. That need should to, right? speak like, volumes. Yeah. Is that strategic? Could be. Is that they also don't need to agree? Like it's it's kind of not a fair comparison. But mm -hmm. when that doesn't make sense for them, and they see that you know there's probably more benefit to not doing that, it kind of you know sheds a light that maybe this isn't the right path forward. And we've talked about that in the past, but. Another thing that Jacob Wolf uh, kind of cited in his report was actually another report or rather an interview from the Houston Chronicle that I wanted to kind of pick your brain on um, to kind of quote Jacob here, uh, quote, in an interview with the Houston Chronicle on January 16th, the COO of the Houston Outlaws parent company, Beasley Esports, Lori Burgess, spoke candidly about the state of the company's revenue and losses for the Overwatch League franchises. Burgess said that the team pays some players more than... 200,000 per year in salary, despite being 1.4 million in revenues stemming primarily from ad sales. The team is still operating at a loss end quote. What in what world? Okay. Just hear me out. In what world are we retaining lawyers to collective bargain and possibly try to leverage, you know, some, some, some extra dollar bills in an esport that isn't making any money that we're having a hard time selling sponsors on why are we still paying players two hundred thousand dollars per year again players i'm happy you're okay. getting paid don't get me wrong but how does this make any sense um okay let me steal man that strategy i think there's a world where they believe like houston is just it's very important to be competitive in that 
particular local market. Like you need to win the league or like compete for it. You need to, uh-huh. and also like if they're actually selling 1.4 million in revenue on a sponsorship stuff, I'm gonna tell you like that's that it's not a lot. Would, no, it, it's a banger in terms of like all the other franchises. I th- I think I'd be surprised. Okay, so you're comparing it to the peers. I think they right? they'd be very high up there. Um, maybe, maybe that's an entirely ed- uneducated thing, but yeah, that's I feel like I this is like. That compared to their peers, this might be good, but I think at like media at large, I sure. feel like that's really, really bad. Sure. Yeah. I mean, also keep in mind, this is uh, one thing that I felt was I'm not sure how much and in what way this uh, interview was held because it felt like some of those questions and framings in the particular article made no sense to me. They, they almost actively yeah. felt like someone reframed and tried to edit for brevity here and just killed a lot of sense in the process. Like they were talking about how how we're waiting for the single player game of Overwatch 2. Like there's no mm-hmm. single player game, we're getting a PvE game. That's very different, right? Um, so, and I imagine some of the stuff got lost in translation there. I I I would think because some of the stuff is just confusing to me. Let's say the least. Uh, that, that, yes, very confusing. Right? Now, two hundred k per year salary. Um, there are other franchises. At least one I know that there's a player that is making north of two hundred thousand. It's an old sure. contract. Um. To say multiple so, on one team, that seems like a lot, right? That is pretty. Is, the, is that a possible out though? Like, is there a world where, again, maybe it's like lost on me at the moment because this off season has been absolute like roller coaster? But is there a world where these are some older contracts, right? I know. I think Pelican. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought that he entered Ooh. free agency, so that probably isn't, you know, a re up of an old contract. I feel like he's probably on a new contract. Um, Are they just kind of stuck with some, some juiced contracts from years past that they kind of have to sit on and they don't want to have to pay a buyout for? Like, is that possible? I don't know. Then they would have to pay a buyout for that. Right. Sure. If they want to get them on a lower contract. Right. But that seems kind of, no, like if they have old contracts that are inflated, that would mean you would have to buy the contracts out from the other team. That would increase the cost, not lower it, right? Okay, I see what you're saying. I was thinking more internally, like they retained a player, they were just on a high contract, now they're kind of just stuck with paying a high contract. Yeah, so I feel like that's that's definitely something that needs to be considered, and given the, like if, did Shu still have? That's immediately who I was thinking. I was like, yo, is Shu getting paid? I mean, he's getting paid for sure. Like he, like if, I, I if there's know, multiple, like... if if the, sorry, <laughs> if there's multiple players on your team mm-hmm. that are making two hundred thousand, then Pelican needs to be one of those, and either Fearless or Shu needs to be the other guy. If you have that three, then those are your three. If you have would... more than three, if everyone is making more than two hundred k, right? Like mm-hmm. then still like. Probably Pelican needs to be the top paid guy, and then Shu, and then uh... I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's Pelican. Yes. That doesn't make a ton of sense to me. When you have a main tank that just 
won the league and a flex support that arguably has been top five in the last five years that both entered free agency. It's a flex CPS zone. It's different. They always had higher salaries in comparison, right? They did, but I feel, I don't know. I just feel like Pelican, uh, I don't know. That's tough. I mean, uh, yeah. I if you like don't believe that he's you know, like ST anymore, um, which I it's, think it's not even it, necessarily but... skill for me. I I do wonder if there is like Pelican just wants to play for Houston, entered free agency just to see the market, and then was like, yeah, there's really nothing here, so I'll just go back for like you know a decrease in rate. I also think like they probably just freed up a bunch uh, due to Dante leaving the sure, team. I'm pretty sure yeah, he was and... on a fat salary as well. Um, <laughs> And we'll get to Dante. We 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 sure. have uh, we sure. have that news in the in the chamber. Don't don't worry about that. But um, um, yeah, these numbers for Houston just don't make. Yeah, a ton I of sense I of. heard some stuff through the grapevine, and mm-hmm. like as I said in a comment, like from what I know, they mm-hmm. Houston right now would probably be in a tier of their own. I would mm-hmm. maybe walk that back a little bit. I'm not sure what t- Toronto is paying. Um, AT, sure, but would because you, that's would also a say... bigger squad, and also uh-huh. they have to put a little bit on top in, in terms of their, uh, in terms of Canadian taxes, and sure. they would also have to, um, like pay the non-competitive tax, so, so, so to speak, as like mm-hmm. arguably one of the least achieving uh, franchises in in the Overwatch League, and yep. they would also have to have won a bidding war, uh, because there were. Was there a bidding war? I'm not sure if it was a bidding war per se, but I know that two other franchises would have probably been interested in um, in Houston, uh, so, uh, in uh, to, uh, AT, and mm. that. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Were there, was there anyone else? I think it was just two. Um, sure. So, and then once again, like you can infer. Like, uh, whoever had the yeah the money to pony that up, right? Would it be clear to say that Houston, if we did a budget tier list today, would it be clear, or would it surprise you to see them not in the S position? Yes, right? like the highest. Yeah, yeah. They would team. have to like be. They're clearly they honest. immediately by virtue of having multiple players on two hundred thousand <laughs> and having to re- like fulfill the six player minimum, whatever they're paying after that already probably puts them pretty close right mm-hmm. like just like if i uh, if i'm comparing to other franchises like even like the sparks of the world are no longer there right like so even if we're just looking in the na region who i think like i think toronto would be up there i think uh for sure um houston would be up there i'm not sure if glad's probably is still pretty high but mm-hmm. probably lower than in pr- prior years i would think I think a lot of people would, like Pre told, said on the panel, they're not top five. I think some people think that's cap. Um, it's it's hard not to think that, but this has also been the same kind of like song and dance that he did with like Justice, right? Like, sure, sure. He he just for whatever reason has like a good strategy about him to want 
to, to sell the idea to come play for the system or play mm -hmm. in this environment that has all these luxuries and they don't have to pay necessarily keep it, salary. Keep, it, keep in mind, that's a big one as well. Like, and that's sure. on top, by the way, for Houston. Like, um, they clearly say in the interview that they aren't just paying those salaries. They also right. pay housing, housing, a housing right. stipend within reason on top. Mm -hmm. And they're paying uh, food as well. Two meals a day. Like, it's almost like what dude like the stuff you hear in terms of like what the minimum like yeah. approach now is it's getting gnarly out there in comparison right it's getting like, gross yeah yeah so i don't know how it's possible in a, an environment where what i assume to be the boston uh budget how mm -hmm. if you're both paying housing and food how you have to pay people this much money in order to get them. That's very interesting to me. Yeah. And you're paying, um, you're looking at a state that also has uh, historically, and maybe Eric can correct me if I'm wrong, but has hysterically or uh, low historically tax law, very right? low yeah. tax law, right? Like it's great to live in Texas. Yeah. It's great to, you know, I don't know about Houston specifically. Maybe there's some, some legalese there that I'm not keen on. Um, but I hear Texas is great for, uh, you know, it's no surprise that like streamers no. are flocking there and, you know, now keep in mind, like once again, like if, if something got lost in translation in that particular article where the editor, for instance, didn't know about the legalese or the, the particular framing of like Overwatch League contracts and all the, all that stuff. And it just like that got distorted. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Then, then I have like that then i'm less uh surprised about what houston is doing at the sure. same same time like it feels nice that there's still one island left in the overwatch league i suppose it, it is nice i'm ha again there they're, the silver lining here is that at least these kids are getting paid um at the very least right um it just i don't know if it's necessarily a great thing when we're talking about you know how nobody's making any money and everybody, you know, is struggling to, you know. I mean, fair enough. To... If you think you can like pony that up, then you pony that up. And maybe there's some business reason why you're doing that. And I assume we have rational actors in this league, mate. Like there's so many variables that it could be why you're doing sure, that. From like trying to say like, here's goodwill in terms of, uh, you know, we're spending a lot. We were mm. not the problem. Or stuff like... um. I don't know, like we want to win because we know we've talked to our local sponsors. Like if we get that mm -hmm. exposure and like the maybe we're better uh, at monetizing sure. our deals then. Um, and to be fair, Houston has had a, you know, a history of still attracting quite a bit of sponsors. I know that they were, I sure. think they were HEB and they had like the Kovacs, like aim trainer. I don't remember which one it was, but like they've been active where a lot of teams have been like very just minimal in uh, what the, it looks like their efforts have been. Yeah. That's that's safe to say. So, so if you're also that there. like if you're actually pulling that in just team team wide sponsorship revenue, mm -hmm. heads off. Like someone's doing well in in sales there. From what I know, maybe I'm mm -hmm. off the mark there, but that that seems pretty high to me in comparison, um, especially in this market. I would say. And uh, yeah, good on you that you can afford the team. I I would argue. 
you maybe didn't like I can understand that you pay out heavy for oh I'm about to hot take this I, <sighs> I wouldn't have given Pelican that contract to that that's your sweet ass you wouldn't especially in a world where profit is still in soul or and stuff mm -hmm. like this um I, I genuinely I, don't know I probably I probably dropped the back on shoe I think it's very hard to find someone that's replaceable uh yep. in the league Okay, he's the hot take. On fearless. I don't. I don't. I don't either. I don't. And I know that's heretical all, to say. All again, that needs the... to happen is zero monkey metas for some yep. weird reason. Yep. And all the yep. additional hot carry value that you're getting from this guy is mm -hmm. evaporated. While yep. the, 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 the guy that won the, uh, the regular season for them, Hanbin, is still on the other team and is doing all yep. that shit to you. And honestly, yep. like I, like yeah, he probably won't ever be as good at Winston as Fearless is, but like he probably can get close. I try to get serviceable too. to not like feed in like against the against like his peers, but like, yeah, two hundred k for you know a ball Winston player. <sighs> that's that's crazy if you're getting former Overwatch League uh, winners at not even six figures, right? Some of them. Yeah, and that's that's not a good thing either, right? Like you don't sure. want to sign a former champion or a defending champion and not like pay them what they're worth. Sure. But if we're going to be realistic about this, it's it's difficult. And again, we're assuming that maybe Fearless is one of those people that is on, you know, a six figure deal. We don't know that. Sure. Um but it it doesn't make sense. It, it, what it sounds like it doesn't make sense to either of us to also have fearless on that six figures it wouldn't surprise me but if we were gms it doesn't sound like we would be doing those deals right it doesn't surprise me that maybe somebody did to those in the know i don't know that you know you yeah. would um i think this kind of all circles back the the jacob wolf report the the you know east the the growing doom of the esports winter that you know um we were it sounds like we're we're approaching Mm -hmm. um or that maybe the media winter who knows you know you talk about you know the the jake paul versus you know the god knows what fight right mm -hmm. um i feel like it's it's hilarious that it, it was it was a proud moment for me to see that uh the the Arcow community still remembered that morgan stanley report that uh said that the overwatch league could make 100 million dollars annually just you know Remember you know, those juicy numbers? Yeah, I mean those those numbers were unrealistic. The f thing is, like, I think that's an understatement, personally. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the the thing is, I I'm surprised we even got within an order of magnitude. Yes, I agree. right. Like, that was always have... like, dude. The once again, like, we we are talking about how they are not able to sell. Those guys could sell back in the day. Right, like that. Mm -hmm. That we the fact that we got these viewership uh, sponsor or broadcasting deals, man, someone got away with a robbery. Holy shit! Like, especially like on the Twitch side of things, I think yes. heads rolled there. Like, oh, without it, undoubtedly, undoubtedly, somebody was fired. That you know, you know, somebody voted yay one too many times on a couple of uh, panel votes and. Uh, they might have been, you know, X. It's it, it makes but some sense. I don't know if we need robberies. I like 
yes, it's it's hilarious and like silver linings, like maybe we aren't where we are without it. But I have to assume that that is part of what at least Brad is also talking about when it comes to like irrevocable damage that has been done from season one to season three from the leadership that puts us in a position where we are today. Right. Like, yes, we did. We did do a heist. Let's 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 call it what it is. Right. We somebody somewhere did some juicy numbering, sold some sponsors on the back of some some questionable numbers and, you know, that the tax man cometh and is looking for some cash and we ain't got it. We don't have a whole lot of anything right now. Yeah. And like, it's, it's not a good thing. It was cool at the time. And yeah, like week one of owl season one was crazy. The viewership was nuts. Even playoffs last year was quite high, right? It was surprisingly high. We do kind of spike every once in a while. We do have these like it factor moments, but we still have to kind of repair some hemorrhaging within the business side of things because it's not good. None of this is good. And we're still basically under the gun of this report that, you know, talks about how we're, we're maybe the league makes a hundred million dollars annually. And maybe we can sell sponsors at this much money and maybe we can, you know, get broadcasting deals. None of that shit exists anymore. Like, and I don't even know if it existed at the time. So there is a lot of like seedy lies and like this dark underbelly that this entire franchise system is built on that we kind of have to not necessarily expose, but because I think they're kind of all out there. But like we have to kind of face brass tacks here and say, look, like we need to course correct. And seeing that Houston is spending this crazy amount of money when we should be course correcting, that doesn't make me feel good. I mean, it's their money, right? They can do whatever they deem. It's it's interesting. I would love to really poke yeah. and prod at the the idea of efficacy of a, uh, spending like that. Because in my mind, whatever you're getting on the roster side, you could have you could have paid everyone like maybe one twenty. Yes. And then whatever yes. surplus you have, you put into content. Yes. Into all, all kinds of other stuff, and it's likely to give you more. Eff- Efficacious uh, feedback, but yeah, I don't know. I, the only thing, again, like to your, you know, speculative, you know, desires, it feels like this is a play to win. Again, if you're if you're telling me that you're signing, you know, people like Shubin Fearless and Pelican and Happy, and you're spending, you know, six figures on multiple multiple six figure contracts on multiple players, like yeah, that that signals you're shooting for a title. Anything less than that feels like you know, a waste. And maybe there are some business decisions to point them in that direction. However, again, it feels like a course correction is needed. And maybe there is some safer investments to make, but maybe that's just, you know, my ignorance. Um, Anything else from the Jacob Wolf report kind of catch your fancy before we move on? No, not really. I think we covered it all. All right. Well, hot topic out of the way. We do have some player moves, um, a couple of which we we kind of alluded to. Uh, Profit has re-signed, not resigned, but re-signed with the Seoul Dynasty. We'll be still playing from home in Seoul, South Korea. Uh, I believe, is. am I wrong in saying that's the only known player on Seoul right I now? I think that's true, yeah. So it's just Profit. Um, 
Not bad so far. Can I can I make a lame <laughs> lame joke? Go for it. What does that? How does that reflect on Prophet's legacy? Because you know the lame LeBron joke that everyone keeps mm -hmm. shoving in that never gets funnier, and like that seeing that as the top comment always puts you like five feet above your body in in your corporal non corporal form. Like sure. th here, it makes sense because this is the goat. I think mm. cons by by consensus, uh, it, most people yeah. have him as, as the goat at this point. Um. And that dude is going to a roster that is highly unlikely to do pull anything this year, just vir by virtue of there's only so many good players left, there's only so sure. many uh, rookies left, and it's clearly in the worst region where you clearly don't get the practice quality, where like there are some curveballs coming down the pike if those happen, but it's mm. not going to make APAC. Uh, catch up to NA and if this guy wanted to absolutely f f like make sure that he will forever be considered the greatest player of all time in Overwatch especially considering that this is the last or oh whoa, whoa. No, uh, it could be like <laughs> right um, I mean, it certainly could be at this point yeah, Who knows? I, I'm not leaking right like once again no, this is just it's like me at 1 a.m. with <laughs> this is a doomer brain. 1 a.m. Yes, one eye. It's fucking pirate <laughs> chatting. Um, sure, but um, yeah, I f I feel like that 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 edge that he has on other goat candidates is not as comfortably large as to just throw it away in a year in a non-competitive team. It's it's uh, kind of to me personally, you you know me and profit it's a yeah. little disappointing <laughs> i wouldn't i don't know if i would say disappointing um surprising um speaks to the character of um you know i i think there is something to say that you know just traveling or you know knowing yourself enough to know that like just going and joining a mixed roster or going and living in the states or in canada just doesn't like sound attractive to you um i think is mature um and if i'm gonna be completely honest and again this is wild speculation on a team that has exactly one player and a coaching staff I think there's room for Prophet and the Soul Dynasty to succeed and for Prophet's legacy to only increase, maybe not exponentially with like a title win or maybe even stage titles. Um, but I think this is the season, at least from the outset, from what we've heard from Arnold in Soul Discord, where, you know, he's talking about how, you know, things are going to be tighter in budget and, you know, they can't make the moves they want to, yada, yada. When you have a player like Profit on your team that has shown proficiencies in other roles, I think this is the year. And again, I feel like we say this every year. I think this one really kind of separates itself um, to possibly see Profit be a little bit more role fluid. I think this is also partly the reason why I think that like his GOAT candidacy probably isn't in a ton of jeopardy. Again, wild speculation. Um, because I do think they're going to like really try to utilize him in like some some big ways not necessarily the old like chung do play to your strengths type of vibe more so we have this resume we have this 
this person that has a, a hero catalog, why not try, you know, to, to utilize that, right? You, you know, what's, what's the harm in trying because you're already budget as is, you know, what's, what's, what do we have to lose really? Yeah. I, then again, like if I could choose where I want him, I want him on Boston next year rather than Seoul. Right, like as someone that's <laughs> rooting for, sentence. I mean, it, it's true, right? Like, I know it. It is true in in the reality of 2023, but like, it's 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 so foreign to me to like want to say like I want profit on Boston next mm-hmm. year. It, it's just it's a weird mouthfeel. Yeah. yeah, it's not a bad one. It's just weird. I'm just like you don't have I'm, to I'm, you don't have to learn a new language in order to Agreed. make that work. Yep. You um, you playing with are former teammates, former teammates with people that have proven a proven track record. You already have mm-hmm. that pre-existing synergy from last season with uh, Smurf, who can, can have your little uh, you know gesture profit 2.0 duo going mm-hmm. in there. You have a great backline. Um, yeah, you have a really like solid hit scan, whatever that ends up being. Like I don't know, this is this could have been. The thing, like honestly, like just slot him in into the DK space, the cave space, and it's probably already highly good, uh, like efficacious. I guess there's a little some. I guess you would structure your DPS line a little bit differently. Let me think. Mm-hmm. Where else could he fit? Uh... I assumed. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I assumed Glides was gonna throw the bag at him. Like I thought they were just gonna approach him with a blank check and say, "Come on down." I mean, even like him on Atlanta instead of Stalker, I- I'm not sure if that's an upgrade for Atlanta. I'm not sure they're not taking that, though. Um, that would also have been great. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's there's a lot of slots like in this league where you don't really have to necessarily adapt much. You just have to you know work yourself into a new team environment. You're immediately title contending. You're mm-hmm. still... The relevant, like maybe even the MVP player of that uh, particular sure. roster, you can wa- rival for an MVP title, a thing you've never gotten into your, in your career other than the oh. Grand Finals MVP. You're not even yes. getting you you barely got close in, in terms of the votes at all. So mm. I don't know. I would have. I understand. Like it's your career. Do whatever you want. I think Prophet has always expressed that he would rather play with people he likes. And that's that's yes. a fine uh, attitude to have, um, and I fully respect that. I think there's also something to be said about, like, if this is his last season and he talked about military service, I'm sure, like, Seoul will appreciate that. Uh, mm. To have been sort of their player for four years. Um, was it four? Uh, since... Season three, what? right? Season three, yeah. Four, so, five, six. Yeah, four years. Three years. Four years, whatever. Yeah, that's give or take. Yeah, that's um pretty sweet. Is there? Like, it is. Is there a world where you think he considered, or maybe it wasn't even necessarily public enough to players that you know Philly was rebranding to the Infernal, and maybe he could have just played for the other Soul team? Like, is that you know? Do you honestly, think that like as as Infernal, that that you almost only do this for a marketing pick. I don't think you're. You necessarily need profits in that DPS line. I think there's agreed. I don't think you need him, but 
I think there's better s choices uh, that you could p pick and add. I'm also not sure what their uh, financial situation is like because I think other than Carpe, that roster was always pretty slim in terms of salary. Um, sure. So I'm not sure if they were willing to uh, give up that much. I don't know. Um, Here, you ready for my wild speculation? Sure. You, you, you said a couple of buzzwords. And I want to get your your take on this, right? You talk about MVPs. Profit's never been an MVP. Uh, is he an MVP caliber player? 100%. Does he kind of just fall behind the eight ball in some seasons because of X, Y, or Z reason? Uh, kind of hard to say no. Um, but there is somebody on the market that has an MVP to their name. Uh, they're also a free agent. Uh, they've also worked with both Profit and Toby before. Is there a world where the Soul Dynasty welcomes home Fleta? <laughs> why the exasperation i don't know who i bring back like i don't know toby's playing again and like i don't know can you can you dust off the gesture and run it back i don't know like it's not it, it, i understand why some people would find that fun i i would find fun if profit was in another would finish the year in a winning team once again that's that's my definition Sure. Is there? Do you think the the boat has sailed in that way with like Flutter, where it's like this twenty twenty two is a yeah, stark downturn that there is a trend here. It's not worth reinvesting into, even at like a minimum. Uh, like, is that not like a resume you want just on the kicker? Depends on what you what kind of feeling you get from talking to him, right? Like if he feels sure. once again motivated, maybe a similar thoughts to Profit that he wants to, or like he has complete apathy and like there's not even a retirement post because like the dude just doesn't care anymore, <laughs> whatever it could be, right? Like I don't know, it's really hard. It's also probably exceedingly depressing uh, having to navigate the APAC market. I I would imagine. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe you can run back some Apex revival roster. You probably still like get first or second in Apex, depending on what uh, Spark does. But mm -hmm. other than that, I don't know. Like, are we, are we completely? I mean, I feel like you kind of have to um, with the whole. You know, Shanghai is owned by NetEase, and you know, NetEase is just the most petty, jilted. Uh, I don't even, I won't, I shouldn't point fingers here, but like the, the whole Blizzard Nettie's drama, it feels like a monkey shit flinging contest. Um, it, we're kind of riding off Shanghai, right? Like when we're, we're looking at the APAC, like preseason power standing rankings projections, like we're not really expecting I, Shanghai. To oh, I don't know. Like uh, in my mind, I'm like, ah. Uh, why like moon why <laughs> like couldn't you just <laughs> did, did boss not ask or what's going on like yeah i don't know it's tough it is certainly hard um i mean soul we'll have to see um nothing's confirmed just yet i would probably place like a pretty strong bet on them possibly chasing after flutter or at least that was Sure. deep in discussions um depending on things that happen i think uh, if ray gets his his six even if it's really slim agreed that yeah, she'll I still slaps the entire region based on who's left like there's like some quality players like top dragon comes to mind Callan comes to mind 
Apparently, Top Dragon's still looking for, you know, Betty White's yeah. out here still looking for a team. Yeah, to so. you comes to mind a bunch of the old uh, London boys that all shaped up over the years. Like, there's still a good team there. It's not a title contending team out there. Look, I'm I'm here if the Seoul Dynasty wants to throw together a, a revival roster, you know, where we're picking up Fleta, we're grabbing a rascal. If Gesture wants to fucking another ring, we we sign him up and we just play with the old boys. That the the little kid inside of me is pogging out of control. I'm here for that, you know. Big ups. If somebody has Godsby's number, call him up, you know. Time boy. Anybody, anybody, any time boy stands in the chat? No, I didn't think so. Um, moving on to another big move that happened today as of recording this. Uh, Dante DeGlads as a tank player. Officially hanging up the sticks when it comes to DPS. Now going to be playing tank. Um, is it nitpicking to say that the term or the terminology of main tank feels uh, very... Uh, how to say, like on purpose? Uh, does that make sense? Does uh, it? Does this feel like a Glad's is only running Dante as Soul Tank, and that's it? Oh, do you mean that? Um, yeah. I don't know. I. Uh, how do I package this? Um, <laughs> you really Dude. put me in a shit situation here. here. Here, I'll go first. I think Dante Dante definitely surprised me in playoffs, right? He did he he was like a, a saving grace for Houston in a world where it didn't make much sense for him to be starting anyways. Mm-hmm. However, um not the move I think you'd really want if you're shooting for a title. Is it a very popular move? Is it a very like, you know, salacious like people are going to be super excited and people are very excited like people have been asking where dante's going for a hot minute i think glads is a good place to be um i trust face and smash to you know lead a competitive roster i just don't know if this team as a whole is going to necessarily compete at the level that they want them to i could be wrong Mm. but i don't know I would what would help me at least fight those intrusive thoughts of like poo-pooing on glads and writing them in my Overwatch League Death Note. I need to see another tank, right? Mm. We saw some good shit out of Dante last season, surprisingly so. But much like Atlanta, I don't know if we want to rest our hat on somebody that, you know, started their career as flex tank for Arc Six and then transitioned into being a great DPS player and then coming back and, you know, I, I don't that's yeah i don't know if i'm i'm i don't know if i'm running those numbers right that that's kind of my stance and i'll, I'll give you one more joe I, I would feel better if we have had another flexi uh flex uh support as well i i've been saying that for a minute you know again i don't think who was it lastro right am i remembering yeah, yeah. i don't think lastro is a bad player i really don't but when I'm looking at what Glads wants to do, and I feel like Glads wants to win, Glads has always been like a team that, you know, pays players well, that wants to shoot for titles. Again, you're famously on record talking about how if, you know, certain things go their way last season, they might actually be in contention for, you know, being the best team last year. Maybe in your opinion, they were the best team last year. 
I have a hard time believing that they are going to live up to last year's expectations, right? Like that. Feels yeah, hard no, to me that from what I'm seeing yeah. today. That will be hard, just also in contrast to the other teams out there, dude. Like, sure, I, I'll I'll forever remain that if if Shock wanted to lock in, they could have mm -hmm. spent enough money to lock it in this year. I think that's one yeah. of those years where they had the optionality to just buy championship with. Mm. I mean, I'm saying that, and then I'm immediately walking it back because I'm meta random this <laughs> pilled. Um, sure, but like, there are some variants. They those, yeah. probably could have assured a title with the highest probability of all time. Sure, agreed. There, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, they had access to potential access to a market where they could have just like assembled an absolute juggernaut of a roster. Mm -hmm. And there's mm -hmm. good reasons why you wouldn't want that, right? It's maybe not good for the league. It's maybe not good for your pocket. It's maybe not worth it. It's what all those things, right? Sure, maybe, but it could have happened. That's not saying like they're not favorite right now. They clearly are still mm. to me. Um, the only, only team that could come close. Vancouver, it, right? Is... Mm, the Vancouver Titans. Uh, rain. Yeah. Rain. Mm. Um, so, the, yeah, the, I think it's, yeah, I don't think you can say outlaws. Um, yeah, this, this is, uh, no. in, at least not in, yet. In the most, in most matters, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, like outlaws, I, I, people will remember me saying, like, this is a weird team. That's a weird pickup, right? Uh, it's, it's not an, it's not an, an archetypical gladiators pickup, right? For now, what it looks to steer towards is Lastra has played pretty much all his career in English-speaking teams or hybrid teams. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. like, I, I count him much like Faith to be, like, a... a uh, immigrated, fully integrated uh, yeah, Korean like player. Yeah, right? Like, we adopted him. Right. And um then like you have Dante, you have Kevster. This is steering towards a Western roster, you would think, right? Um so mm. it's yeah, that's why it's it's it feels a little weird what's going on. Mm -hmm. Funny Astro, of course, also like you you clearly have the, the building blocks here for a, a, a clearly elite Western roster, yeah. right? Yeah. And um if you think about it, okay, let's ha hypothesize, right? You have mm. Dante on tank. You, you probably don't feel great about losing Reiner if you want to have a West Semantic. You probably would have yeah. knocked on London's door in order to get Hardy. Mm -hmm. In terms of the DPS, you definitely, I mean, you have got Kefsa. That's the starting block of every elite Western lineup. Um, then you come to the hit scan dps you want kai and then for the flex dps in terms of western hmm do you do you need another one or do you just let kev kev fuck i think then... you can i think you can just assume that kev in a way is like colorless mana and like magic the gathering and you could just like build around it right mm -hmm. where it's just like all right what do we have on the market what is the market giving us we have a kai 
you know, we have some some projectile players from contenders. Cool. Those are those role players. We'll put Kev wherever he needs to be, like we saw him last year with Patty and Ons. And there were there was multiple, you know, opportunities to see, you know, mid game, you know, Gladiator swap up what Kev was doing at what time. And it felt very much like it wasn't always ideal the way that we would see it, where it's like, okay, if, you know, Genji's meta, you need your, you know, your best player to be on the hard carry hero wasn't always necessarily the case that kept us always on Genji. Sometimes Patty would play it vice versa. Some sojourn here, there Reaper here, there, like he can do it all. I, I have full faith that Kev will not be a problem for this team in the slightest. Um, it, it really is just building out a, again, a team that kind of complements him at his, at his level. And I think that's really, really hard to do. Mm-hmm. And the clock feels like it's ticking. It feels like we're finally getting some progress with Lastro into Dante. And it feels like they've probably locked in their roster at this point. And we probably will be, you know, getting more news. I just wonder what that news is because the, the players you would assume glads would be chasing after and, and kind of foaming at the mouth over like the Hanbins, the fearlesses again, like, you know, looking at the Dallas core, knowing that publicly they were on free agency and they were all allowed to kind of explore their, their options. Did glads get any of those pieces? It doesn't seem like they did. So what next? What other Western players are there for me? At least I'd like to see Dante kind of like ease into his first full season as a tank player. Yes. I understand like lol. He played Doomfist all last season. I get it. But like, now he's actively practicing the entire cast for the first time in his career. He's committing to playing tank. I'd like to see that be a hedge bet and not just be the the decision that, you know, kind of ruins both uh, a storied career and, you know, a, a possible, you know, title contending team. Because again, they got good bones, but what else does this team look like? It's It's hard to kind of conceptualize at this point. So sure. we will see. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. And like that's that's one of those interviews that I'm looking forward to because uh, mm-hmm. I haven't had the chance to talk to face uh, about this at all uh, all either. Um but I want to just pick the brains and how this offseason sure. went, what the rationale was and when it's all said and done just um puzzle these pieces together because of course like there's there's budget considerations, there's stuff like goals like what what do you really do you want to have the best possible uh western roster because keep in mind like with atlanta sort of jumping off the western train yeah. Yeah. suddenly a lot of a- free, uh, agents became free i think you would have liked to get more of a bite out of that at squad but if they really wanted to play together maybe that's not as as feasible mm-hmm. um in my mind, this might be a crazy thing to say in, in 2023. Oh, but are we saying the same thing? I would have rather had Ultraviolet than Lastro. If you can, like, it, <sighs> right? Like, you you want Funny Astro. He's the best uh, main support. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but, yeah. I don't hate Lastro much in the same way that I didn't hate like someone last year for Florida, where it's like they have a history of both playing in multiple years and working well within a mixed environment. 
he's basically adopted into like the Western, you know, culture at this point. I, I don't, I don't hate that. Um, I think UV has, has something to prove. I think started the season last year, really, really bright. Um, ended kind of middling was, was okay. Kind of forgettable in some instances. Um, especially, you know, I think, did he play under vigilante, especially when, when they got him? Am I, High for remembering that. I mean, he didn't like Vigilante played a lot, but he did get some playtime, if I recall correctly. Okay, okay. All right. I mean, even then, like trading time isn't necessarily a great thing, but that also probably speaks it's to Vigilante. Vigilante. Yeah, dude, like this guy's about to be a bench fielder. I'm almost convinced. <laughs> I mean, I, yes, I, I think there's a reason why you know the the justice sat on him, you know, as you know the well, age gate. You know, there's a, there's a reason why people were were interested in investing in him, right? Um, so there's something there. I don't know if I'd I'd pin that on Lastro. If there are some other Korean signings that necessarily haven't worked within, you know, a Western mix just yet, that maybe is up for a debate whether or not those might work. And maybe if not, you know, is there a Western or at least an English speaking counterpart that could have at least been comparable? Maybe that's a better debate, but that only, you know, that comes when we see more of this roster. And if there is, you know, uh, another, you know, Korean player that doesn't necessarily fit, but yeah. So. Um, other than that, we have some Nettie's things, but that feels kind of messy to get into. So we'll, yeah. we'll save that until shit really hits the fan. Um, I think Ray had some public comments about tempering expectations, but that feels, you know, I feel like, I think, I feel like reasonable people have reasonable expectations for spark. I think they're, you know, the last he attracts the boys he wants. I think they're going to be good. Yeah. I guess the only other thing that I can think of is uh, the last part of the last part of the IOT season was announced. True. Yeah. <laughs> somehow bro i i you know i thought people were high for talking about you know uh isayama rewriting the ending but at this point i have to wonder if that's not the case because this has been dragged out forever yeah um and because we've reached anime talk i feel like that's the end of the episode for 279 um uh, (laughs) anything you've got coming down the pipeline anything i mean uh, okay See here my my content recommendations. A, read the um the article that Eddie Meng put out. It's a yes. really cool like it's this is a cool introduction into the fundamentals of this league and its issues. Um, mm-hmm. I think something like this is a great start of point to understand what's what's going on, and some of the solutions that a lot of people, very smart people, have also like pushed for. Um. Then uh, and were echoed in the GM panel that I did, part one, part two. Part two brought the spice. Um, I think that's definitely worth looking into as well if you're um, interested into the business side of things. And then I'm currently working on a player panel. Uh, it's not 100% mm. decided who will be on it. Of course, it's always like, always like a time zone um negotiation between all the the guests um mm-hmm. and then also Teacher Yiska, i have a question yeah go on how much do i need to pay you to ask 
the players on said player panel that is coming in the near future, please like and subscribe to GG Recon's YouTube channel to watch said player panel algorithm. Please, hopefully, you pick that up. Overwatch two, mm-hmm. loot boxes. Um, how much do I need to pay you to get uh, some some spicy comments? I want I want to hear who's the most overrated player. I want to hear you know the mm. the private finds that nobody gets to talk about. Right? Like, okay, so are we bringing spice? We're bringing spice, but I think we got to get some some shit done. Uh, we got to talk about stuff like what's the relationship between developers and pro players? That's the stuff okay. I want to get into. What are the, okay. some ideas that need to happen? What happened to the in the off season? What happened to your salary this off season, guys? Sure. How did no negotiations go? What do you generally feel about the level of scouting in this league? That type of stuff. Like we're bringing spice. Um, I'm sure like, we're, 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 we're keeping it serious, at least like maybe in the later parts of the episodes, maybe I'll have everyone riff off each other's chances to win the league because, um, <laughs> I mean, we, we got some, I feel like, let me think about this. Stante is, is one of them, for instance. Um, okay. like we, we got some people with like, who are heavy hitters, uh, in terms of their ability to really turn some heads this year. Um, Hopefully, I can get even more on, and just like I, I try to make sure that I get n- no double ups. So people from different teams, um, currently there are three on. There might be as many as five. We'll see how it goes. Um, in this, it's it's for me. It's very hard to judge if player average player interview answer length translates into average player uh, panel answer length when everyone's having fun or whatever or what the sure because like it's hard to say is three is three right or is that too little and we're just like you know through all questions in an hour do we need five or is five too much because everyone's just like constantly screaming and having fun and right like I'll This will be a challenging one to host, I uh, I mentioned. Probably, probably. Trying to herd cats in in some fashion. But it depends on who you get. I I think there are some people who definitely have, you know. I got some smart. The right balance. Oh, I'm excited. I still got to catch up on the the GM panel part too. So I'm going to be definitely consuming that after I consume some food after this podcast. Um, Anything else? Any any anime? Any, you know, I know Uh, you're playing Risk of Rain these days. um, What's going on? I mean, I'm I'm really trying to play like the game of give me a new eyeball. Um, that's true. Yeah, that's the word, first thing that needs to be be fixed. Like this is really it's not just like an eye thing. It's also fucking with my mental, and it's a, it's becoming a problem. I, I hope I find a fix. Sure. And uh, like gaming, yeah, I've been playing some Risk of Rain with the uh, mm-hmm. fellow Yes Quarter LB, um, but. I, I also feel my gaming is not really contributing to my what's my L health. So I'm trying to, you know That's fair. be yeah. a little bit more reserved in that. I'll probably have a chill weekend and then start afresh next week. Sounds good. Much in the same way. Um working on me. Getting back into some hobbies. I know I wanna start some art projects um that feed into some bigger projects that I have for writing. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah. I want to I want to get back into talking to some players but it, obviously it's it's difficult because we don't have teams uh, established just yet. 
Um, and cool. obviously want to bring on some people to the show to, you know, pick their brains. We've got some people loaded up. We were going to have some people all, you yeah, know, on I this mean, episode. This is not the week where you bring people. Uh, it is. Yes. Yeah. This is most certainly not the week uh, to have people, you know, potentially lose their jobs over talking about, you know, uh, what we talked about today. So we, again, trust and believe we'll be, we will be getting back to some, some guests. This one was something for us to kind of uh shoulder it was cathartic i feel better i feel <laughs> at least like way lighter hey that's that's good if, if this is you know if this is let the therapy know. episode yeah let me know what what i owe you for this therapy shit session <laughs> oh um, man all right we've we've gone long in the tooth yes Things don't look great right now, but it doesn't have to be necessarily that bad. We've got sure. player movements. We're finally, you know, we're getting into the league. We're getting closer to start time. Um, so we will meet you guys back here next week. Same time, same uh, tactical crouch hour uh, to go through God knows what. So 279 signing out. See you next week. Peace.